Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today, we are talking to my friend, fellow colleague in my mastermind, and boss babe, Stacey Tuchel. In this episode, we dive into a lot of behind the scenes when it comes to setting up a business for success especially when it comes to hiring team members, contractors, all of that good jazz. Stacy shares her step-by-step to hiring a team, which she knows how to do. She started her own business at the age of 18 in her parents' backyard, quickly grew that into a multi-million dollar business that she still runs today. She has a brick and mortar, which is the Academy of Performing Arts in her home state of Wisconsin. And then she also has an online business. So Stacy really understands kind of the both worlds of doing a business, more of that brick and mortar style and the online style. We get down and dirty about what to pay team members, how to figure that out, especially if it's your first hire, really how to set them up for success, how to put goals and metrics in place so you know that you're really getting your return on investment when you do decide to work with someone. And this next thing is kind of unique, how to take a traditional brick and mortar idea, idea, like let's say that you have a business that you're currently running and it is, you know, in an office or people come to it. If you have this idea of wanting to take it online, how do you do that? Stacy teaches us how to move that brick and mortar business online or how to add the online element to it. So I've really enjoyed this episode. She is such a wealth of knowledge and I can't wait for you to dive in and listen. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hi, Stacy. It's so good to have you with us today. Hi, Julie. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. And I'm so happy and grateful that we've gotten to know each other through our mastermind over the last couple of years and have gotten to work together through there. And you have a mastermind that I got to come pre-COVID yeah. and yes. actually speak at, oh. um, which just makes it that much more... Um, incredible. Yes. That we got, we got that. so lucky. It was a month before oh, all this craziness happened. I know. And we got some good in-person time. Um, but you know, you have really built such an incredible business brand. Um, you have such a great sense when it comes to leadership, cultivating team, cultivating business, growing, scaling, all of that good stuff. If you want to kind of, before we dive into what we know we're going to talk about, if you want to kind of dive into how you got your start more in the traditional sense of business, um, and then how that kind of flowed into what you do now online. Yeah, definitely. So I actually started right out of high school. Um, That summer that I graduated high school, I decided to, I was a dancer. I wanted to continue dancing, but I knew that I wasn't going to be good enough to be a professional. So I thought I'll go to school, get a degree, get a real job. And in the meantime, I'll teach dance. So I actually started teaching dance when I was 18 in my parents' backyard for free, thinking this is going to be a hobby. (laughs) This is just, and I always say, like, I wish I could say it was for the children, but I selfishly did it for myself. I wanted to continue dancing and, and get to experience like that passion. 
So within three years, I was still doing it for free. And I had a hundred kids come into my parents' backyard. <laughs> like imagine just like this random little house and a hundred cars pull up on a Sunday <laughs> dropping off children. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So fortunately for me, um, my family has a family business. So my grandfather started a business about 50 years ago. Um, we dig basements for houses here in Wisconsin. And that has played such a huge part because I grew up in a world where it was normal to start a business or to have a business. They saw the potential and I didn't see it, but they said to me, I think you might have a business here. I think you could take this and actually charge money and have people pay you for dance classes. So back in 2005, I decided, okay, let's do this. I incorporated found a place to call home. We got out of the backyard. And uh, I mean, today, now that backyard story is already 18 years old this summer, which is crazy. And we have about a thousand dance and music students that come to us every single week. Um, we have about 40 to 50 employees. We've been grossing over a million dollars a year for several years. And I don't work in the business at all. I think that's my biggest accomplishment is I have these brick and mortars, but I don't work there. I work in my home office on my business, not in it. And then a few years ago, that started to spark people saying, how are you doing this? Can you teach me? <laughs> Can I take you to lunch? Can I pick your brain? And I started doing that for free, for fun, because I thought, oh, this is so cool. Like I get to teach business. I love business. And it took me a little while to go, I wonder if I have a business here. Like it was the same full circle moment, you know, that happened in the backyard over a decade ago. And that kind of birthed what is now foot traffic and just teaching other small business owners how to get more customers in the door, whether that's physical or virtual, things are changing, especially now. Um, but business is business and that model works for any type of business. Mm, and so let's dive into that because, you know, I think that you bring up that, that pie in the sky dream that we all have of like, how do you run a profitable business that is scaling year over year, that is growing, that is giving, you know, getting the revenue that has all these employees and you're not there minding and grinding every day? Yeah. Which let me tell you, if you're thinking I'm a control freak, I could never do that. <laughs> I was that same person. I still am that same person, but my why of wanting to be home with my family, raising my children, you know, being present, that to me is more important than how the registration form is typed up or what email is sent out in the monthly newsletter, right? I mean, those are things where, yes, I would love for it to be perfect, but more than that, I would love to have the freedom and flexibility and, and just being present with my family. And I think that's the drive of going, okay, I know I want this, but how do I get it? And it's just constantly having to learn and evolve your leadership skills. I wasn't a natural born leader. I mean, I want to do everything on my own and do it my way, but seeing, I think, evidence of it's possible, other people are doing this. And then I kind of start to get intrigued and nosy and go, well, what are they doing and how are they doing it? And that's when I really started to dive into mastering delegation, building a dream team, you know, bringing people along for your vision and all of the things that it takes to truly have the trust that right now somebody's answering the phones, checking the emails, and I trust and feel good about what they're saying to customers and how they're, you know, passing along the vision of why we created all of this. Mm -hmm. And can you walk us through 
what were those initial steps or tips to, to getting there? Yeah. So I think, first of all, trust me when I say I was a hot mess in the beginning, just because I came from a family business, I, I was never, you know, they weren't grooming me to be an entrepreneur. I was going to school. I still went to school, went to college, got a degree thinking I was going to get a real job. And, and, you know, they were in excavating like construction. It wasn't like they were just throwing all these tips at me. I have a dance studio. It's very, very different. So I think one of the biggest things that just pivotal moments for me comes back to, you know, being overworked, underpaid. I was the janitor. I was the dance teacher. I was the front desk person. And I got this postcard in the mail that was basically, you know, your Facebook ad that you see today, (laughs) you know, saying like, are you overworked and underpaid? Are you, you know, fill in the blank with everything that I was going through. And I thought, okay, this is it, right? I've got to go to this conference. It was in New York. I'm from Wisconsin. So it wasn't this quick little 10 minute drive, but it was getting on an airplane, flying across the country, getting in this room and not knowing anybody and just kind of being intimidated. But again, my why was stronger than my fear of being in that room. So going to a conference, oh my goodness, that was such a huge game changer. And just getting in this world of personal development, hearing and seeing other successful people and how, you know, they were here and in this room with me. And I'm sitting here thinking, I've got to be checking the voicemails on breaks. I've got to be getting into my email inbox, but they weren't. They were super calm and collected, having fun, meeting up with old friends from different conferences And I was going, okay, what are they doing that I am not doing? And how do I start to transition over there? My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow, you need to scale, you need a marketing strategy, you need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This Is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. And, f- and from that transition, what, what were some of the things, and I think like kind of looking back on, if, if you could have, and I don't want to say change because obviously everything happens for a reason, but knowing yeah. what you know now, what are some of the things that you could have done differently or that you would have done differently if you would have known what to do, if you would have had the tools that those that may be on this path right now in this journey of, I'm trying to get out of working in my business and I'm trying mm-hmm. to really up-level my leadership skills and dedicate and figure this stuff out. What would be some of your tactical steps to do that? Yeah, definitely were some mistakes. And you know, it's not that we get to go back and change, but you get to go and evolve in the business you now have. Like those hiring and all, all of the interviewing and all of the things that I had to do back then, I still do now, but I get to do it at a different level. So it's fun that we don't have to be like, oh, I wish I could have, or I should have, would have. You get to do it now. So 
the biggest things that I realized and some of my biggest mistakes were, you know, I was going, who can I hire and how cheap can I find somebody and how can we throw them in here quickly? And then, and then a thinking this person who's making minimum wage or $10 an hour is going to come in and thrive in the position we just threw them in with no training. I mean, I now know that first, I never want the cheapest. I never want the person who's going to do it for the lowest cost. We actually posted a job position for a social media manager maybe about two years ago. And when I posted it, we had hundreds of resumes and people basically saying, I will do this for free. Like, I just want the experience. I will come in. I will do whatever you want. You don't even have to pay me. The old Stacy would have said, you're hired. <laughs> Let's do it. And the new Stacy is like, no, no, no. I want the girl who knows she's worth it, who knows she's valuable and is going to charge more, is going to charge that premium. And, and there's obviously a balance of not going with the cheapest and not finding somebody who's overpriced either, right? right. So I think really understanding that you know, a lot of times you do pay, you get what you pay for and you've got to be careful. And I think also knowing now what I know, and I mean, we've had just so many employees come through our doors and contractors and you realize now like personalities, people are born for certain roles and we don't do any hiring now without taking personality tests and really making sure that this person was meant to be in the role that he or she is in. And that has been really, really helpful because when I hire somebody and I say, listen, so you know when you took that personality test and I told you there was no wrong personality, which there isn't, but there is definitely a a, a right or wrong personality type for somebody who is going to excel in certain roles. And if I'm looking for a social media manager, I really want to make sure that somebody is extroverted, is super friendly and has like this great customer service. Like she just loves to serve and loves to be with people. I don't really want an introverted person who's going to respond with the letter K when somebody asks a question or says something. I want the emojis and the effect and the thank you so much. And this is, you know, so meaningful and all of that stuff, right? So I think that was a big thing was I really needed to slow down find the right person. And then more importantly, invest time in that person. You Mm. can't just think they're going to come on board and then be smarter than you. You, you will, whatever you put into that person is what you're going to get out of that person in that position. So that was a big one was they're not going to thrive without me slowing down to help them thrive. And that's hard because as a CEO, we're busy. We don't have time to be doing this, but you have to make the time to be doing this. So, okay. My first question, what personality tests do you give them Yeah, that are important to you? And then I want to go into making the time. So we go into, we do uh, uh, Myers-Briggs. So that's the one I'm really looking at now, just because I'm looking for a certain personality type. It doesn't necessarily mean if I find somebody who's amazing and she's off by one or two, I will use DISC as a second personality type to just confirm Sometimes you can be extroverted or introverted, but you're so close to the other side, or you can kind of jump ship once in a while and do that. And DISC is another good one to kind of pair up if something just feels off in Myers-Briggs. And then with that, you know, how do you figure out how to make the time and most importantly, where to invest the time? How do you as a CEO who is super busy figure out this is how... I am going to be best setting this person up for success, really empowering them to take on their role. So I'm not jumping in to save the day every day. What are the tools that they need that I need to kind of teach them and walk them through on the front end 
to, so we can make sure that we're there by, you know, 60 days in or 90 days in or whatever that is. Yeah. So first understand there are three phases when you're actually trying to train somebody and maximize their potential. So first of all, most people just come in and they kind of let them run with it. What you don't understand is in the beginning, phase one, that person is observing the position. So that might be you, but it might also be somebody else that's in there. Sometimes we have people that were just moving into a different role. So they're still there to train the new person. Sometimes we don't have that role and it might be me stepping in to help. Uh, Right now in my studios, we're so evolved that I would never be training somebody. However, in my online business, it's only about five years old. There's, I think, nine or 10 of us. So it's, it wouldn't be rare for me to say, okay, listen, you're coming in. We've never had this sales role before. I'm going to be your manager. I'm going to train. So I'm still really fresh in this, in these three phases as well. So number one, they need to watch you do it. They need to see what you've been doing, what you expect. Um, If you don't have systems in place, then they're going to help you set those systems up or you're going to create them in real time as you're teaching this new person what they're going to be doing. So that's phase one is they're watching you implement it. Okay. You're setting the tone. You're setting the standard. Then phase two is you start to do it together. So as that we've been watching and, and you're like, well, how fast or how fast can I move through these phases? It will depend on the person that you're working with and you can always try it and then go backwards. If you're like, you know what? I'm not sure we're quite ready for this phase yet. Why don't you watch me just a little bit longer, right? So phase two is you're doing it together. You're starting to give tasks, but like watching them or you're starting to give tasks, but making sure that the final product is never happening without you seeing it first. And as you start to see this, you'll go, okay, they're getting it. I can, I can start to trust them a little bit more. You're giving them more rope and more leeway. Then phase three is the phase that we all just kind of jump to when we've skipped one and two. Phase three is they start to do it and then we approve. Now, even phase three takes a little bit because they start to do it, we approve. And then all of a sudden you don't have to approve or micromanage as much. So in the beginning, uh, you know, an Instagram person comes in, I might be checking every single, I'm going to be checking every single post that's going out before I ever let that hit my, my uh, account. But then pretty soon you're like, I'm always just saying, yep, looks good. You know, if you've said, yep, looks good every single day this week, you can start to give them more leeway. You don't need to be checking and micromanaging as much as you were in the past. But do you see how those phases can take quite a while and how most people just jump in and expect these people to like flourish and just, you know, be on this rocket ship with you, but you haven't given them the training. Absolutely. And I think that that's such a huge part of like really, you know, um, and our friend Amy Porterfield says this all the time, higher, slow, fire, fast. Yes. Of, you know, really giving someone the time and attention that they need, um, And then, you know, and then I think time will show, like, is this person the right person for this? Are they in the right seat? Are they really being empowered to make decisions? Um, Do they feel nervous to make decisions? So they keep coming to me to double check, triple check, micromanage when I really don't care or don't need to be decisions. And they can't read your mind. So I think you have to be really clear on like, these are really important to me and this I don't really care about. Like it's it's not as big of a deal, but this stuff you don't ever post without me seeing or you don't ever, whatever it is, everybody's going to be different. We're going to have our own preferences and that's fine. And you're you're right. When Amy says like hire slow, uh, fire fast, what do most people do? They hire fast out of desperation when they needed this person weeks or months ago. And then we let them stay with us way longer than they should. 
which right. is a recipe for disaster. Yes. Um, something else I want to dive into kind of quickly, because I think it's important here as well. Um, and I know we're, we've just started talking a lot about hiring, so I love where this is going, but, um, figuring out, you know, whether it's a con, I mean, contractor versus employee is going to be two completely different things, Yeah. but let's talk about contractors. Cause I think that that's really where my audience is right now. If they're, you know, hiring out, how do you figure out what to pay somebody? Mm. Yeah. And honestly, in my online business, I have a lot of contractors too. So I think that's completely normal in a lot of the space that we're in. Um, obviously a CPA is going to be able to one to kind of help you and guide you yeah. as talking as far as pay. Um, I came into this online space and I didn't really know, and I didn't really get this contractor world. And I was definitely paying premiums. I would hire the company that hired somebody for you. So then you're paying the company, they're making a little cut. And then they're paying somebody way less than you're actually paying them, right? So be careful of companies like that where, you know, even going to contractor websites, um, you know, when you go to an Upwork, Upwork is getting a cut before that person's getting paid. Now, it might still be a great place to get started, but just know that's probably not your end game. So I would say ask around. There are so many amazing free Facebook groups and just um, if you're not in a mastermind, like Julie and I said, you know, if, if I had a question, I'd go to my mastermind. If you don't have somebody, you know, accountability partner or a group of peers that you can ask, that should be, you know, mission number one is find that group because you want to say, what is everybody paying for a social media manager? And then you start to hear, and then you start to go, okay, now I know what the standard is or what's normal, what's too high, et cetera. I love that. Um, and one more thing that I want to kind of touch on, because I think that, it's important. And I would just love from your own experience. I think a lot of times wh where people may get a little stuck or start to feel overwhelmed, frustrated, resentful is that they'll hire someone without even really clearly knowing, you know, they'll hire someone, like you said, social media manager. I just, I need someone to take this off my plate. I need someone to post. I need someone to do this, do that. But they haven't really taken the time to figure out how do I know if this person is it is delivering what I need. How do I know if this person is being successful? What are those performance indicators and those goals that I have set for myself so I actually can, can quantify or see if this person is actually delivering what I need them to deliver? How yeah. are those things from your experience? How do you kind of figure that out for yourself even before bringing someone on? Are there steps you take or questions that you ask yourself? Yeah. So I think it is important to think about that before you bring them on, because really in the job posting, you want to tell them what they're going to be held responsible for. So it's really good to have those metrics already. Now, let's say you've already hired somebody and you're like, great, <laughs> we didn't. That's okay. You'll just start by having the conversation of, okay, I really want to take your, your role to the next level. You're doing great. I want to start to put metrics in place and let's figure this out together. So a lot of times as a CEO, we throw goals at our people and we expect them to hit them. Now they start to get resentful if they're thinking, well, she has no idea how much I'm working or, you know, uh, how much time I have and this is just not going to work. Or they're thinking, well, that's easy. That's not even going to take me that long, right? right? So you want them to come up with goals that stretch them. So typically they set the goal and I kind of help them if I'm thinking, 
so for instance, I had a, I was talking to somebody on my enrollment team and I said, how many sales do you want to hit this month? And she said seven or five, I think. And I'm like, well, think about this last month you hit seven. So why do you want to go backwards? And she's like, oh, I don't even think I realized I hit seven last month. So then all of a sudden she's like, well, I'm going to at least shoot for seven, maybe nine. So you're there to help guide, but you want it to be their idea. If it's their idea, they're going to work a lot harder than if it's your idea. So having those KPIs are huge key performance indicators, like you said, um, and I make my team track them every Monday. So they present those numbers to me and the rest of my team on our meeting and they share, like we can see what their goal was and we can see what they hit. Oh, I love that. Hey, wanted to make sure that you knew about the free masterclass I'm doing where I share with you the top five mistakes, even the most successful entrepreneurs make and how to overcome them. Head on over to the influenceracademy.org slash webinar to sign up and get all the details. You know, at one time someone had told me when it, when it came to this is that, you know, when it comes to a team member, you really want to look at two things, capacity and skill set, And and just because someone may have, just because the, the capacity may be there doesn't mean the skill set is there or just because the skill set is there doesn't mean the capacity is there. Yes. And so really kind of making sure that you're getting clear on that. And then one thing um, that I heard so recently that has helped me um, is, you know, when it comes to a team member, you want to give them the what and the why, not the how. Yes. You, you know, this is what I need. This is why. Or this is what I need you to do. This is why. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and- it. Yeah. And it's hard in the beginning. Like, it sounds so easy, but it's not, especially if you've been the how girl and you're like, well, this is how we do it. This is how I've been doing it. And, you know, as I started to get pulled out of my business more and more, I'd come back in and I would see somebody doing something and I would be like, well, wait, 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 this isn't how we do it. And then they would even look at me and say, but you don't actually do this role. And we've been enhancing it and making it more efficient. And we've been thinking this is the way I'm like, okay, you've already convinced me. You, you know, if, if you're saying this is more efficient, we're good. Like I had right. to let go. Right. Um, and I think that just like zipping it mm-hmm. helps a lot. <laughs> like there's yeah. been times that I'm like, I'm just going to zip it and I'm going to pot like, I'm, you know, like let this person figure it out. Um, or if that, you know, or if it's like someone's talking and, t- and I'm, I'll just say like, okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. They might come up Sounds with something good. better than you did. Right. So I, the, even, even that has been um, huge for me. Um, well, thank you for walking us through that. Yeah. Um, I now want to chat a little bit about um, really what you do, which is, I mean, you do this in your mastermind and you do this through the foot traffic formula, which you can share what that is, but helping small businesses and small business owners really make more money, get more clients and customers through the door um, and start to really build a business that that thrives and that they love. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things is we come in to this hobby, this passion, and we get excited about what it could be. And then you get into it and all of the, like the messiness and just the things you just didn't know existed, they can start to weigh you down. And I just want to bring the basics back to everybody and say, listen, it doesn't have to be as complicated as we're making it. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but it can be much easier when you follow a proven method of, you know, warming them up, getting customers in the door, retaining those happy customers. Like it doesn't have to be that difficult. And that's the biggest thing that I want people to see as they're starting to build out a plan. There has to be a method to your madness. Don't just be throwing spaghetti at the wall and then never look back to see what's stuck, what's working, 
What, what didn't stick? Why didn't it stick? Is it worth tweaking or do we need to scrap it? Like there's so many things that pop up and I just really want everybody to understand that you're an experimenter and every experiment isn't going to go the way you had it planned. Some will be complete failures. Some will be disasters, but there will be some that take off and you will be so glad you stuck with it. So I think that's just the biggest thing that I want you to understand and hear as we're kind of working through all of this is just, you are an experimenter. Failure comes with success. And with that, how does someone start to kind of more step in to that role, especially if they've been someone that has worked corporate America, they've worked more that traditional business that we all kind of sense as being more traditional, how do they really start to step into that role of being their own? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be an online business, but just being their own boss and being an entrepreneur and create and creating their own business. Yeah. So, you know, we, we come into this and we think I need a business plan. That's what everybody says. I need, you don't need a business plan, but what you do need, you don't need a formal business plan. Do you have a a business plan template that I can, I'm like, oh, that's so like, 2002. (laughs) The only time I've ever written a business plan is when a bank said, I need to see this for us to submit your loan. (laughs) Like, I'm like, let me get it done today. I've only been eight years, but let me quickly give you the business plan. Right. Um, Yeah. So you, you don't need a formal business plan, but you do need a system. So when I'm working through the foot traffic formula specifically, what I, what I want people to understand is they typically want to jump into traffic, which is just driving more visibility. They want to grow their Instagram. They want to grow their follower count. But we know that large followings don't always equal large dollar signs, right? So I think the biggest thing is being okay, dropping your ego a little bit, right? I mean, people know you can have fake followers and very few engagement, even though there's 100,000 people following you. So you've got to let the ego go and know that, yes, you want to drive traffic, but you want to drive traffic that leads into the next phase which is touch, which is like the lead generation. We want to generate leads and we want to nurture them, right? So I always tell people, before you jump into like blowing up every social media account, I really want you to have the funnel in place. I want you to have something that they can already buy that the, that's already for sale. Like why do all of this work and not already have something for sale on your website or in a funnel or something like that? So for me, the transaction piece, I'm like, hold up. Don't even post on Instagram until you have something because Julie, I can guarantee you that people are finding you today and buying from you today. You don't need 90 days to warm them up. Like this is internet, the internet and social media with video, it works so fast today. So before you go and think, I'm just going to work on Instagram for a year and just start building it. I think you're leaving money on the table by not having the lead gen set up and even something for sale set up on your website, whether that's a private consult, whether that's a really small little tripwire or mini course, there is something that you can sell right now. Templates, like it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. Right. And for someone that's just starting out, maybe they're saying to themselves, you know, well, I, I don't have a big audience yet. I yeah. don't have a message. I don't have a brand. I don't even have anything to sell yet. What do I do first? Yeah. So market research is the absolute biggest thing that you could do right now. And you can do market research without even having current clients. If you've got an idea that you want to go and you want to, you know, let's say you want to go and be a mom blogger, like you want to get in that niche. 
Well, guess what? There's a million mom blogger Facebook groups. There's a million mom podcasts. Um, you can go, I, I just heard somebody say the number one way people Google me is, and then literally said the sentence that people Google. Like that is market research, right? So the more you can just like engulf yourself in immerse yourself in, in that specific topic. And if you're even before that stage, you're like, I don't even know what topic to head into. Then start to just see where you're drawn to go to podcasts. Like which ones are you picking up? You know, in your free time, what are you doing? Start to just really observe yourself. And then when you see, okay, this is fun. I would do this for free. I would do this no matter what. I mean, both of my companies, I started for free and I did them for a while for free and I loved it. If you can't do that, you probably haven't picked the right topic. I love that. That's really good. And I'll give a quick like strategic tip too, if you're still searching, if you go to Google and you type in the niche that you want, and then you type in the word, um, forum, thread, Facebook group, blog, you will get like, people always say, I want to do this thing and no one's doing it. And then I type in one of those sentences. I'm like, well, here are, you know, 70,000 searches of what you just said, right? Um, there's probably somebody already doing it, which is great because it means there's a market out there. Um, but I would head that direction first and just start to really do that market research and see what are people saying in those forums and on the Facebook group and those podcast reviews? Like, what do they like about that show? that's going to be gold to you. Right. Oh, that's so good. Um, Stacey, I also want to chat a little bit about, I mean, now that we're kind of in this new, you know, phase of the economy and just, you know, more people are working from home um, and it might end up staying that way. I mean, now that businesses kind of see some of the benefits of their team working virtually, um, what are your ideas? Because I mean, you're someone that you know, you have a brick and mortar site business and then you have an online business. I think it would be really easy for someone to think, well, whatever has worked for my business in the office or in my brick and mortar, I'll just pick it up and place it online. Um, How does that work? And then how does that not work? Yeah, there's, there's a couple strategies here. Getting out of the box and trying things that worked for you well virtually could possibly work locally and vice versa. But it's an experiment. You don't know until you try it, but I do encourage you to try all sorts of things, right? I really want you to not just think, well, this is how I do it here, but that's not going to work over there. Not necessarily. Sometimes when you switch into different industries, all of a sudden you're doing what everybody else is doing, right? There, I mean, we all sell the same type of courses, the same price points. We launch it the same way. Like, your audience is waiting for some fresh ideas. So if you've been in a different industry, you come from corporate, whatever that looks like, you might have a really cool idea that you can mix this game up a little bit. That's going to be exciting. Now you might try it and it might totally flop because it just doesn't work in the online space. That's possible too, but you still have to try. Like we already brought up, you know, with success, it will come that failure. But one of those things could just like knock it out of the park. So I do want you to be experimenting. I do think that there are a lot of blessings that have happened, you know, blessings in disguise that have happened over the last couple of months. It just made us think different. You know, people that, like I had somebody who was going going to quit. She was, um, she's moving someplace. She's going to be building a house someplace far away. Um, And it was like, oh, so sad. She's been with us, you know, however many years. And we were saying goodbye. And all of a sudden at light bulb moment, I'm like, well, can't she just work for us online? Why, Why is she having to quit just because she can't come in the physical building, right? So I do think it's kind of getting us up to date. 
You know, it's making all of us, people that said, oh, I'll never do online conferences. We're an in-person, you know, we, we only travel and do in-person conferences and workshops. Well, they're, they're singing a different tune right now. And some of them are loving that they transition, right? Right. Uh, I think we can get stuck in our ego of like, I've been doing this longer. Or I know this is the proven way. So I'm going to keep doing it. And we don't transition. And all of a sudden you're forced to, and you realize, man, I should have been doing this a long time ago. Right. And I think even for for a lot of those people that come from that more corporate background, traditional background, it's so it's because corporate, the way that corporate America works is such a huge ship to try to turn Mm -hmm. that a lot of times when we're rising up in our corporate ranks before we go out on our own, you know, we learn from those methods and from what they think is the best way to do something. And then usually like what you're saying, just, well, because this is what my corporation always did, this is what I'm going to do without really even giving it another thought as to, well, how, how many more people could you be reaching? How many more people could you be impacting and how much money could you actually be saving Yeah, by transitioning to this virtual capacity and just seeing what happens? I mean, obviously there is completely something to be said about coming together in real life and ha- and having that experience. Mm-hmm. But there's also something to be said about a virtual experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. For, you know, women like us who, you know, I've been running an online business for going on seven years now. So like, you know, to me, it's like using Zoom. I've been using Zoom for years. I've been doing virtual, you know, it's like, it's, it's not necessarily anything new to some people, but it's been really right. exciting to see, you know, other people kind of wake up to that and see the opportunities that are there. Mm-hmm. It's, it is crazy how up to date people quickly had to get. Right. Did you hear the stat that Zoom had 10 million users in December and now they have over 200 million? It's, it's crazy. I mean, how do you even grow? Like how, how, as a company, I feel bad for Zoom. I'm like, how did they grow that much and sustain it? You know what I mean? Like yeah, that is, that's totally. just crazy. Totally. It's so good. Um, and I, I love to, and it's going to kind of be interesting. I'm like, is Zoom going to start running ads? Like what's, what's about to happen? You know, right, like, right. And <laughs> thing, they have every right to do whatever they want with of all course. coming on for free. You of know, course. we just, we take all of this stuff for granted. We're like, oh, I can't believe Facebook's doing this. And I can't believe you guys like this. You just have to go with it and you have to play the game. And it, it, this is, this is it. You've just got to be willing to make those twists and turns. And, you know, I came into 2020 saying, this is going to be my best year ever in business. Like out of 18 years, like this is it. And some people have said that, and I'm sure they've gone, well, now it, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm thinking, oh no, I'm still on the track and I'm still going to have my best year yet. Like I've, I'm committed, right. but you have to decide like, are you committing? Are you making the decision to go all in? Or are you going to let these changes and these, you know, circumstances dictate what happens to you this year? Right. Oh, that's so good. Um, well, I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the work that you have been doing through the foot traffic formula. Um, for those that are listening that, you know, maybe they need help kind of getting their small business business off the ground and they want a little bit more of direction. Um, how could they learn more from you. You also have your podcast, which is amazing. Um, but start to use your strategies and tools to implement, whether that's through podcasting or the other, um, incredible resources that you offer. Yeah. So first you can go to my foot traffic podcast. We actually created a standalone podcast called the foot traffic formula workshop, 
which dives in. Like it's literally sitting there with just me covering every single topic. So that's a really great place and resource for you to check out because you can go in and go, okay, I want to drive more traffic. And then I want to immediately listen to, but how do I not waste that traffic by getting my lead generation and nurture sequence in place and kind of go through everything we've talked about. So that I would say is a great place for you to go check out. And then my website is just stacytushel.com and you can find me on any platform as well at Stacy Tushel. Amazing. Um, okay. So a couple of quick, other quick questions. What does yeah. influence mean to you? Oh, I would say just using your knowledge, your expertise, your zone of genius for the good, like for letting other people, you know, see that little glimpse or that little, um, aspect of what it is that you stand for. Mm, I love that. Um, and then the one, one piece of advice that you could give someone who might be on the fence about leaving whatever they think is safe, leaving that certain way that they're doing business or leaving that certain job. Or, you know, I think that we're really in this unique time of, of taking new opportunities and new gifts and really stepping into what we've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone? I think really believing, I have this sign in front of me, I can see it right now, and it says, the best is yet to come. Really believing that. I think if we don't want to change or we don't want to jump ship or we don't, we're comfortable, right? You know, I always say like, you're, you're standing outside your shower, you don't want to jump in, you're freezing, it's cold, you're like, I can't, I can't do it. And then two minutes later, you finally get in and then you're in and you're like, I don't want to get out. <laughs> just realize that you, you always just want to be comfortable. But really, you need to take that next step. You really need to believe and understand that the best is truly yet to come. So therefore, it's going to take the consistent action, that massive action of you just moving forward because there is something bigger and better out there waiting for you, but you have to decide to move forward. I love that. Well, Stacey, thank you so much for coming on and just walking us through really how you've built and grown and how you lead and all of your genius and all of your great stuff that you have been able to share with us today. Um, For those that listened today and that really resonated with our conversation and learned a lot, we would love to know what your biggest takeaway was. So please make sure to head over to Instagram, screenshot this episode, tag me, tag Stacy. let us know what your biggest takeaway was because we're going to take your sphere of screenshots and we're going to share them on our stories as well. So we want to see what those are and um, make sure to go over and check out Stacy's podcast, the foot traffic podcast. It has over 1 million downloads. It's one of the top marketing podcasts on iTunes. Um, she truly is awesome. And we'll make sure to put all of this good stuff in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Stacey, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was so fun. I, I, I appreciate you and just love, love, love what you're doing. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again, same time, same place next week.